Hello and welcome to the Love Shared Podcast from the River Church in Redlands. David Carnes here with the latest in our dialogue series, where we sit down with some great guests and dive into conversations at the intersection of faith and society. Today's show is episode 21, and our guest is Everett Smith, the Raggedy Crow, a philanthropic adventurer, patient advocate, and chaplain in his own amazing way. Thank you for joining us again, and if you'd like to continue to support us, subscribe to the podcast, rate and review it, and most important, tell a friend. Special thanks as always to producers Terry Heemstra, Mark Leonard, and today's host, Nick Intout. With that, here we go. So uh, we tonight are sitting with Everett Smith, and Everett is a childhood cancer advocate here in Redlands, California. And um, Everett, we're glad to have you. Thank you for having me. So uh, probably about six months ago, I was walking, I know I was driving down the street, and I saw you walking, and I stopped and pulled over. And uh, I pulled over because you're an interesting looking guy. Um, I was initially just like curious you had a walking stick and sunglasses and you looked like somebody who walks for for work or walks for um you know you were training for something and so i pulled over and you shared a little bit about what you were doing and uh it's fascinating and we would just want to kind of mine that today and explore that a little bit so tell tell us a little bit about how you became a childhood uh, cancer advocate okay let me um I like the fact that you said you've seen that because what I try to do is uh, always create a show. When you create a show, you create attention. When you get attention, then you have a chance for an opportunity for conversation. So the fact that I caught your eye means I'm doing something right. So I appreciate you letting me know about that, uh, whether it's a freak show or not. It's all good. <laughs> well, so, I, should, I should say for people since they, you know, people are listening, you're tall. How tall are you? Six, seven. Six, seven. And you have a large beard and long hair. Right and uh, a lot of tattoos and you were wearing some jewelry and you just had a very uh, focused look to you as you were walking you had a you have a walking stick that you walk with Um, I don't remember if you had sandals Uh, more likely I I generally only wear sandals Uh, the lunar sandals is uh, something I've been running in and walking in for a few years now so so yeah that that's why I stopped because I was like this guy looks like he's on a mission and I want to find out what that is the mission is uh, pretty clear. The mission is uh, to uh, bring about awareness to childhood cancer, the, um, the lack of funding for certain cancers, and the um, um, inequality of the funding that's there for the cancers that uh, they do have uh, funding for. Basically, you have a, um, a amount of money that the government, the National Cancer Institute, gives for the uh, use for cancers, and the kids only get 3.8% of that. So that's three cents on a dollar for all kids' cancers put together. So that's all the cancers that the, they consider kid cancers are split up that three cents. And why why is that number so low? It seems like we, as a culture, care for our kids decently well. Um, well, uh, the, uh, as a culture, I'm not going to address the effect of the culture, but as a fact that the, the government doesn't recognize the fact that the there's a lot more kid cancers and the, the facts are skewed a little bit because they, in my opinion, they don't take into consideration the secondary cancers that kids get after the five years that they say are um, uh, when they are considered in remission and uh, are, are no longer uh, have a cancer. Uh, a lot of these kids get secondary cancers that take their lives or give them a lifelong uh, um, effects from the different chemos and the <coughs> protocols that they do use. So all of them are going to have lifelong ailments and uh, uh, things that they're going to have to deal with. So that's the, the idea is to get more people aware of the fact that they're only giving them that amount of money. And they keep calling it rare. And every day, you know, uh, we keep telling them it's not that rare. So when we were talking earlier, you just mentioned a few things um, that I was not aware of. And uh, one of them was that the second leading cause of death among kids under 15 is uh, childhood cancer, and the first is like accidents, so I think, you know, car accidents. Yeah, and it's, the, it's the number one killer of kids by disease. So as a disease, cancer in different forms. And one of the things that you said that was interesting in a phone call was that um, 
by and large, we don't have, we don't treat kids differently than we treat adults. Yeah. So we just take the same stuff and we have like a lower dosage. And one of the things you really advocate for and talk about is the need for uh, different approaches to, um, you know, healing kids right. than we have with adults. Why is that? Why is that important? Their, their bodies are different. Number one. Number two, the the the, the protocols that they're using are, are 30, 40, and 50 years old. I was in uh, Utah, and uh, one um, young man was having uh, brain cancer, and they were giving him. Um, um, a chemo and, and cancer treatment for a testicular cancer, just a watered down version. I mean, this is not there's not even a, a, a treatment for this type of cancer, and that's what that is for a lot of those. Basically, what they do is they set up a protocol of two or three different kinds of, of uh, drugs and see what works. What works? What works? Works. And basically, what works is because they're just watering down adult versions of the, the uh, chemos and the different drugs that they're taking. Which is a lot. I mean, we're talking thousands of pills, and if you ever seen the table at a, at, a, at a kid's house where they're having to go through all this, it's just it's stunning how how many drugs that these kids are having to take. So you, over the last couple of years, have had, and I know you don't want to go into necessarily um, you know specific names or anything, but can you just share a, a story or two of an encounter with a, a, a kid in? Um, in a situation that really uh, has has moved you, and um, even I think the phrase you used was well, I don't want to take your phrase, but when you remind me what my phrase was. You said you saw, I looked into the eyes of God, right? Um, in, in this one, and I thought that was interesting. As a community, this week we were reading and kind of reflecting on Matthew 25, where right. Jesus says, "Whatever you do for the least of these." You do to me, right. and when you said that phrase, I felt like it tied in um, pretty well to where our community is. Some of what we're learning. Uh, so, can you just maybe tell I, that? You story? know, I remember that passage, and that passage goes through my mind, and and, and uh, it, it's it's not a it's not a prime motivator for me to do it because of that. It's there's just so many of these kids that uh, there's a, there's something about them. I mean, they're going through their own trials and tribulations with the, with this cancer. They're some of them are terminal, and they still have the heart to care about the other kids, and they try to figure out ways that they can help other kids. Um, I think I was telling you a story about the one one little girl in Iowa. She was uh, had a terminal cancer, and and as she was, uh, you know, as she, basically as she was dying, she was trying to raise money for some uh, uh, kids in Africa to have a fresh water well. You know, not concerned with herself, she was concerned that there was somebody else who didn't have fresh water. So I mean, there's just. There's just so many. There's so many stories like that, and uh, the particular one that uh, really struck me was uh, a little girl, seven years old. I went to an event. We were trying to raise money so she could uh, get some medications and some of the some of the different drugs that she was needing to take, and some of the things that were helping her uh, ease her uh, <coughs> symptoms. And basically, she had a, a terminal cancer called DIPG, which is a brain cancer tumor that. Uh, has a um, life expectancy of usually around nine months is the average. So once the doctor says your child has DIPG, you've basically been given a death sentence for the kid. And there's only about 1% that uh, survives. So, I mean, it's uh, pretty harsh. But uh, she, uh, she came running by, you know, and generally you can say, hey, how you doing, you know, and stuff like that. But she looked up at me, and my whole world just stopped right there. And you know, this was a passing glance. And I just looked at her, and I, I really, at that moment, seen God. In those eyes I seen God and God was telling me what I needed to continue doing. And it was it was a it was a moment that I'll never forget and it's a it's one of my prime motivators and uh, definitely inspired by this little girl and uh, she was uh, she was very special. I mean uh, they all are. They're all very special. I mean there's something about them a child that has a sense of their mortality at the age of 10 and 11 years old and they are trying to hold their family together. Mm. You know, it's just uh, story after story. I mean, there's family after family that you see this, that their kids are holding them together. And their families realize this too. I mean, it's just like, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, the few times that you and I have spoken, uh, I get real fast 
a, a sense of your commitment and your passion and your desire to see awareness brought to these kids. Right. And so I think you're really clearly, you know, giving everything you have and, and putting your yourself on the line, um, you know, in, in as, as strong a way as you can, communicating this message, trying to get the word out, sitting here with us tonight, um, sharing about it. Uh, you named yourself and kind of your movement Raggedy Crow. Right. Why? What's what's Raggedy Crow? Well, Raggedy Crow is like, uh, one of the people that I reach out to are, are people that don't necessarily strike anybody's having a philanthropic heart or actually care about anybody or anything. People that look at them and say, oh, you know, they don't really care about anything, you know, what they're doing. So the Raggedy Crow was just, uh, I was sitting in the, the center of Redlands there and, and uh, there was just this large murder of crows and they were flying around all nice and shiny and they were, they were doing their dance and singing up in the trees and this one old creakety crow flies up in there and he lands in the trees and all the other young crows are flying around and playing around and he's just sitting there. And then as soon as all the crows started flying off, this one old raggedy crow flies, opens up his wings and flies off. And there's like holes in his wings and there's feathers missing and, and things like that. And I was like, well, look at that raggedy crow still can fly. So it doesn't matter who you are, how old you are, how raggedy you are, or what, what, what you're doing. There's, I know that people inside them have a place that cares about somebody. And that's, that's who I look for. I look for people that don't necessarily get that from a lot of people. You know, and it's just like uh, there's a lot of caring people that uh, you wouldn't you look at them and you won't you don't wouldn't think so. You and, and you and I talked about this a little bit, and I know your emphasis, what you want the emphasis to be, is on raising awareness. But you've chosen as a medium for that your life, right? Your your body, first of all, like like you said, you walk. Right. And I like what you said uh, one time was that. If you walk three miles, you know, nobody really cares. Right. But when you walk a hundred, suddenly you've, you've got people's attention. Right. I mean, it's a, it's a sports thing. I mean, it, it's, I'm not, no, I'm not a athlete by any, by any way, shape, or form. But, uh, you know, it, uh, it's, it's a show. You know, and, and it's shameful that it has to be a show. It should just be, hey, these kids are sick and they need our help. We've got to put on a show. It's just like a lot of, the, a lot of things to raise money. I mean, you, you do things like that, and, and it's just the way it is. So. And so you may or may not know this, but in kind of like the biblical tradition, there's a, a, a whole slew of people who put on shows um, to get people's attention, to raise awareness. So there were prophets who did things like they, they had serious campaigns of laying on their one side, right? Um, so that people would start asking, what are they doing and why are they doing it, right? So the whole biblical tradition, there's, um, you know, Jesus does, takes on kind of a... Um, uh, not a nomadic lifestyle, but itinerant lifestyle, right? right? Where he, he doesn't have a home and he tells his disciples, you know, you're not to have a home, so you rely on the hospitality of others. Part of that is attention grabbing, right? Mm -hmm. to, to have people question what you're doing and why you're doing it. And it's, a, it's clearly effective because you're here tonight mm -hmm. because of, you know, the whole raggedy crow thing. So <laughs> it's, it, it is working. Um, what are some of the other things, and I, I'm thinking specifically about some of the personal choices that you've made that stand in contrast to our culture, maybe, to mainstream American culture? What are some of the choices that you've made that are sort of in that same vein of prophetic contrast? Um, I'm thinking about some of the vows that you've taken. Yeah, I'm thinking, like taking some personal vows to... Uh, basically what it does, it, uh, it helps me to stay focused in what I'm doing and uh, I don't know. I, what are those vows? The vows are, are uh, poverty. I took a vow of poverty. What does that mean? What's a vow of poverty? A vow of poverty is like I'm not really looking to attain anything anymore. I'm not looking to, to buy a house or buy a car or anything like that. I'm not, uh, I'm not after accumulating any wealth. I don't uh, particularly care about uh, my my dress or what I wear on my on my feet, I don't uh, I don't uh, I don't have any desire to buy a boat, uh, cars, jewelry, or anything like that. Anything I got or have is I either found it on the side of the road or somebody gave it to me. 
So, I mean, the, the vow of poverty is basically something that keeps me not striving for something for my own self. It gives me more, more attention to giving myself to somebody else. So basically I want to give myself away instead of worry about gathering stuff for myself. What, what are a couple of the other vows? Um, some of the other vows are a vow of, of ahimsa. Basically ahimsa is the vow of nonviolence. It's a vow of nonviolence to, uh, to uh, you know, keep my, again, keep my head in the, in the uh, direction of, of, uh, of peace and love and to, to kind of guide my steps in a way where I don't, uh, I don't have any negative energy through uh, being violent or having, you know, it's all a process and all, you know, we've had some conversations about my past and some of the stuff I've done, but uh, that was uh, something that keeps my attention and the, you know, the reason I tattooed that on my hands was so every time I, you know, raise my hands up either in prayer or in a fist, I see a, a hamster and I know that why I did it and why I'm doing it. it. Just, it's another energy I'm trying to put into the world. I'm sure the more, the more love and the more peace and everything we put into the world, the more it's going to get back and that energy stays out there too to, uh, you know, kind of cause it to positive affect the, um, the um, bigger picture. Hmm. Um, you made the comment that your uh, new t job title, which I thought was kind of cool. <laughs> philanthropic adventurer? Yeah, <laughs> the philanthropic adventurer. Yeah, well, say I was a philanthropic bit, runner, but I'm so slow that running just doesn't seem to fit that. So it's like, uh, and then philanthropic walker just didn't sound really good. So I'm a. Uh, but there's power in the word, right? Yeah, like yeah there's definitely power in the word walking. Uh, so, I mean, I'm, I'm not a. I'm not ashamed of the fact that I'm slow and, and just, uh, I walk a lot. But uh, basically what I'm doing is I, um, I have opportunity. I uh, had some stuff that I had accumulated, uh, had some bicycles and things like that that I've sold and I've, I, and I've, I've purchased some tickets and I'm going down to Ecuador to, uh, to visit with the, um, the chief of the uh, pediatric oncology at Solca in Quito, uh, Ecuador. So my, my adventure starts there because, you know, I've never been to South America, number one, and number two, I'm going down there with just a couple bucks in my pocket and, and trying to uh, see what I can do to uh, raise, you, raise I, some awareness about their situation down there because I'm sure it's pretty, pretty grim. How do you think the Inca, uh, pe like, how do you think people are going to respond to the six-foot hay? I don't know, I think it's going to be eight. awesome. Yeah, that, yeah man. You're going to turn. great. That's, that's pretty great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's like you know, pretty much sniper target everywhere I go. So it's like, you know, being, being tall is kind of scary at times, but the older I get, the more bent over I am. So I should be, I should be okay. Speaking of the Inca, I'm gonna try to do the the Inca Trail for um, the Forever Seven and Catherine the Brave, um, the little girl I told you about, uh, had DIPG and passed away in, in June from that. Uh, her mom and dad have set up a, uh, a foundation to directly raise money for research for DIPG and her particular tumor that they donated. So, you know, again, the, the things that these families have to go through is you go in there to the doctor's office and your daughter, a week ago, her brain is now sitting on a, a table or on a screen. So it's, these people are putting their, they're putting things that are really intimate and really personal out for everybody to see. And that's how important this is. I mean, this is, it's touching. I mean, it, it, it'll rip your heart out to think that they have to go to the levels of social media to get help because they can't get it anywhere else. I think um, you said something that was really powerful, and anybody who has a connection, a personal connection to somebody who's gone through that the cancer journey with a kid um, and lost somebody um, feels that completely different but you said something a little bit ago that um, you know in this country if there's a, a you know a shooting at a school or something we you know that it, it gains media attention it's this this massive thing but you know 1200 kids under 15 die every year from childhood cancer and we we just carry on as though it's it's to be accepted and so say something about like the point at which we we just don't accept things anymore, and we do something because you re you've reached that point of saying this isn't acceptable. Right. I'm gonna leverage my life and influence and anything I can to change the story. 
It, it, um, it, is, it isn't acceptable. It's, it's infuriating. It, it, I, I don't understand it. I mean, the second somebody says, this child is sick, there should be something that we could do for them. If there's not something we can do for them, then we need to figure out a way to find a way to do something for them. And it's just not happening. There's, there's, to open up a research thing, I mean, it, you think that $150 million would be, wow, you could, you could cure everything for $150 million, but we all know that that'll buy the front doorknob to a research center. That doesn't buy nothing, and that's the 3.8%. It's about, you know, about $150 million, and that's for all kids' cancers. So, I, I don't remember her name, and I gotta be really careful when we talk about uh, the people in the House of Representatives or Senators or anything, because we need them. But uh, at the same time, they're ignoring us, a lot of them. A lot of them are getting on board, and, and there's, a lot of, there's a lot of movement right now and a lot of different resolutions. Uh, HRS 586 for a DIPG week. Uh, Janet Demeter from uh, Jack's Angels Foundation has been pushing that for a long time. The Star Act's out there. There's a lot of stuff in motion, but uh, there's also so much red tape. There's also so much uh, the insurance companies are, are causing a lot of uh, halting of, of possible treatments because they won't cover it. They won't cover anything that's that's not uh, mainstream. Uh, a lot of the things that uh, you know are just now coming into coming into play. There's different things like the cannabis and stuff like that that helps that helps these kids with their symptoms. They're, it's not a cure. It's just another way to help these kids. And I've seen it work to give them some sort of relief. And there's things that it's holding them up. The red tape shouldn't be there for kids. Period. It shouldn't be there for anybody sick, and especially if you got somebody who's been diagnosed terminally. What's it going to hurt? The, the, uh, a lot of the research foundations have inclusion and exclusion factors and they're so tightly guidelined just so they can do their research that a lot of the kids are excluded. So there's that, the, that kind of red tape just needs to be done away with and, and whatever, whatever the criteria is that they fit it, they should be able to get it and they should be able to get it without any red tape from the insurance companies. I think I went on a tangent. I think I even missed your question, but no, uh, that was that's great. But the, the the thing was that there was a there was a certain uh, um, lady. I think she was a senator. Said something about uh, eight children uh, die from uh, gun violence in you know every day in the United States, and we will move heaven and earth to to uh, do something about this. Well, she got called out on it. Some of these kids are calling her out on it. Said, well, seven kids die every day from cancer. Where's the heaven and earth movement? You know, it's it's time to do something about it. Um, you said uh, a couple days ago that one of your hopes is that uh, you you personally become in your advocacy and your work toward to bring awareness become visible before you can become vocal. Right. What does that mean? Well. Uh, if I, if I just walked into a room, I, I stood out here in front of, you asked me the other day what Redlands thought about me, and I said I didn't know. I stand out in front of some place and I see, I see the first thing is people are like, okay, at church you get, a, you get a good response, but if I'm standing downtown, if I'm standing in front of a place, they're like, they're going for their phone, or you know, they're looking, you know, what do I want? You know, like that, so basically get it. Like get they place. think you're, you're living outdoors. Right, or you know, and, and what if I am? I have, the only reason I'm not living outdoors is because I've been blessed with some people who are taking care of me. Mm -hmm. and, you know, and it's about giving and receiving, giving and receiving, and that's, 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 the, that's the key to uh, anything as far as I'm concerned. But what I want to do is just, uh, you know, like I said, make a show and then have people ask me what I'm doing and be able to tell them. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a three-ring circus with me, but I don't care. You know, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes to get somebody's attention. And the, the focus now... From, I, I kind of want to move into an, in another direction a little bit. I want to stay with awareness too, but I also want to do some sort of uh, thing for the families. I've tried to tried to raise a little bit of money and get gas cards for people who got to take uh, seven trips from Palm Springs to LA, you know, once once a day. So that's you know back and forth every day for gas, you know, to get their kid out there. Uh, yeah, Team Raylan, right on. But uh, you know, it's like they have to buy that gas themselves. Another thing that happens to these families that uh, a large percent of them go bankrupt trying to, you know, take care of this. And there just needs to be a, I want to have the ability to get them gas cards or food or some, just some stuff, you know, just, just to make their day better for one day. I mean, you know, just things like that. You know, it's like, I am not trying to be the one who, who holds a flag when we cure cancer. I don't even want to be that guy. 
I just want to be able to help some people out and, and uh, you know, introduce people to a way of, of giving that uh, makes you feel good. In a second, I want to ask anybody if they have questions or comments for you or about this. Um, what are, so you have this kind of like meta thing that you're doing, right? Love is all right. um, raggedy crow. We're all, you know, flying uh, with holes in our wings and um, there's 1,200 kids every single year. There's, I forget what the stat was. I thought it said 300,000 worldwide. Um, kids. That's a bunch. Yeah, battling. 14,000, you know, it's just 14,000, I think it's 14,586 a day or something like that. I thought like I said, once once they say kid, I'm done. One's too many. So I'm not a stat guy. Right. I can't remember my mom's but, birthday. I apologize. So my question would be, what is, like, those are all big things that are out there somewhere. Right. What can somebody who, you know, maybe goes, yeah, that is a problem. Um, because I, I find like the nature of problems often is they're just so massive. Like Mark always says, how do you t start to take a bite of the elephant, right? So what's one thing that somebody who's interested in saying, hey, I can't go on ultra marathons and curl my hair out right. and you know get a tattoo, but I'm willing to help out in this one small way. What's something? What's something people can do? Well, locally, I'll guide you. I'll guide you to where you can help somebody out. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that. All the social medias are available. You can throw a hashtag out there, Childhood Cancer Awareness, and you'll find somebody that you can help. And, and so you would say, like, you would try to connect people directly with a family right. that I mean, they could find, support? You know, it, it might sound kind of funny, but find a kid that resonates with you. I mean, it might look like somebody from your family. It might just be, oh, look, she's, she's about as cute as you can get. You know, it just, you know there's, there's ways you can help in anything. I mean, uh, there's a lot of stuff to do. This world's like set up for us to be able to help people mm. because there's a lot of stuff that's wrong. Mm. I mean, you can't, I can't run down the road for childhood cancer awareness without seeing somebody who's hungry mm. or needs a glass of water or, you know, something like that. I mean, it's just there's, there's something you can do on the least smallest level. We all have our own personal things that we need to do to go from point A to point B in our life as well. We have our own spiritual growth. We have our own, you know, growth that we have to do for ourselves as well. But in that same time, we can be helping people along the way. Cool. Just want to invite anybody else that has questions or comments for you. You mentioned a couple other um, states. So you're not centered in Redlands. You go all over. I'm uh, I'm centered in Redlands because I've got the place here. I can I. Uh, I, I, I stayed in Redlands. I moved here in like 2005 and I fell in love with Redlands and I, I, I love Redlands. I wanted to be, drop a pebble here and have it just kind of ripple out. So whoever calls me, I'll go anywhere from that. But I do have a place here that I can, you know, uh, stay and, you know, uh, I enjoy Redlands. I got a lot of friends here. I've worked here. I worked here for quite a few years at the University of Redlands and things like that. So I, I like Redlands. But uh, I'm not tied down to anywhere as far as. I only want to stay here. So there's a lot of there's a lot of places you can go and do things. I mean, there's all, all 50 states. The beauty of not owning anything is right. you're not tied right. to anything, right? I would say if you if you want me, you're gonna to have to wait a little while because it's gonna take me a while to walk there, and you gotta feed me when I get there. I mean, that's, that's the two things. But I'll, yeah. I'll help you out. I'll do anything that you need to do, uh, whether it's social media or or whatever, or trying to raise some money or. You know, put your GoFundMe up or things like that. So, well, and we were talking about it a little bit. I mean, uh, it's part of the Franciscan tradition, right? Saint Francis, right. Uh, and he took he he saw in the cities around you know around his, and he saw his father waging war uh, because of people were trying to protect their stuff, right. right? And they and then other cities and towns would come and raid theirs and. He saw violence was the result of sort of like the accumulation and the pursuit of wealth. Right. And so that was what motivated him to take this vow of poverty so that he's, I mean, he said essentially the same thing you said, if I don't have anything, then nothing can control me. And I also won't have to fight for anything, right. um, which is a very like vulnerable way to live in the world, right? It's the opposite of the kind of the violent pursuit of stuff for ourselves 
but there's something incredibly beautiful and countercultural about it that does um, really fit well with your message that love is is all that's mm-hmm. something that you have so I'd like I enjoy being counterculture number one I mean I, 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 there's just something I've always wanted to be just a little bit, little, little bit different so I, I enjoy that part of it it's, that's not a motivator for me my way is not the way or whatever because we need people who have a lot of money to give a lot of money we need a lot of money we need affluent people who can throw these big big galas and and these parties and stuff and bring in some big awareness because like i said the show sells uh raggedy crow won't bring in 150,000 people but you get a superstar out there and they can do something and everybody goes crazy you know you can't uh, you can't uh, expect everybody to be uh do it like I do. So this is that's my chosen path, and that's just the path I'm on. But my path is also uh, gives me opportunity to, uh, you know, say that anybody, whether they have something or nothing, haves and have-nots can help out kids mm-hmm. with cancer. Other questions, comments? About the comment, you said you can see it in their eyes. At Long Linda University here, you got the child care because when my mom, mom was alive, just seeing the kids in a, a wagon being pulled by their parents, bald, still hooked up to the IV, and just the love coming out of them. It's just, it's awesome because they don't give up and they're just happy to say. Because they're getting the ride in the wagon, man. Yeah. You know? But, you know, it's tough to see that. But. It is. It's a, it's, you know, it's been a, it's been rewarding and, and tough at the same time because you know, at some at some time during the day, and I'm talking the day is in the big picture that I ask myself why I'm doing it because I don't have to be here. I don't have a kid with cancer. I don't have a family member with a kid with cancer. I don't have to be here. Why do I? Why am I here? Yeah. <coughs> Divine intervention. I mean, I'm lucky. I don't know. I mean, to, to find my path, this, you know, at 55 years old, I'm on, the, on a path that makes me happy. So, I mean, I'm, I feel blessed to be able to do what I'm doing in the way I'm doing it. And I'm doing it my stuff. And I like that. I like to be able to help and, uh, you know, just like I said, you know, on the way walking here today, I was telling you, I had two opportunities to talk to, you know, two different people. And, uh, it's amazing just to be able to give yourself to something like that. And, but um, well, some, but you're talking about the kids, and you're talking about their being inspiration. They are they are more inspiration than I can think of anything in my life. I've never seen anything or anybody fight as hard as a, a, a three, four, five, six year old kid, mm-hmm. or you know some of the older kids. And they do it, and they do it with such style, and they do it with flair. You know, I, I can I could start rattling off names right now of, of different kids that just. They're amazing. And you mentioned fighting, and we did discover right before the show that you used to be a kickboxer. Kickboxer. <laughs> so you've seen some fight. Yeah. But I wanted to come back to something that you said that I think is really, I don't know, I, it's something I've thought about, uh, and you've chosen to walk, but more than that, you've chosen a life that's kind of slow. And I think when you choose that path, you know, when you choose to to slow down, whatever that looks like, you begin to see. You see the people around you. You see the need around you. You know, you said you walked to church tonight right. and bumped into two different people, one right. of them who clearly had some really significant needs, and you were kind of carrying that in here with you. Yeah. Um, 99% of us drive by that person. We maybe even see them on the road, but we drive by them. Um, but I just, I want to affirm and just say I appreciate, and it makes me wonder about my life and how I can slow down uh, long enough to see the suffering, not so that I can become overwhelmed by it, but so that I can enter into it. Mm-hmm. Um, t- again, long enough to see the face of God. And that's not to glorify cancer at, at all, right. um, but to say the invitation, I think, of the human journey <coughs> is to step into the suffering of the world, right? Again, not so that we become hopeless and, you know, um, overwhelmed right. because we step in with hope but also in the pursuit of connection right connection with people and uh, I just want to affirm that and, and say that you know I see that and um, that I celebrate that in your life and the thing that God is calling you to and the path that he's calling you to right now 
I call it, it's, it's called Santosha. It's, a, it's a accepting how things are, but it, when you accept how things are, it doesn't mean that you get stuck there because you will get overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Every day on my, on my feed, uh, a child is dying. Every day. Every day somebody's on there, on videos, the parents are mourning, publicly mourning, and it does get overwhelming, and it, it's, it's hard to see that every day. So that Santoshi gives you the, the ability to accept these things that are going on and still be able to, to move and do something about it. And just uh, to understand that these children are, might not be your children, but they're somebody's children. And that's the same thing as a guy that was just on the, on the side of the road over here, and he was obviously uh, you know, disturbed and, and having some, some mental issues, but uh, the second I started talking to him, I seen somebody's child. You know, he was a young man. He's younger than my son, so you know he could have been, he could have been my kid. And uh, although he was talking completely, you know, completely insane, but it was just uh, the the minute or the second that he would have some sort of clarity, he was he was so beautiful. I mean, it was just like he had these beautiful blue eyes, and I was looking at him, and I was just like, man, you know. I was, I was blessed at that moment to be there for him because he had just one moment of just where he calmed down and he was like, okay. So, you know, if that was, if that, you know, saved me for that one second, then me walking over there was a good thing. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, it, uh, it gets overwhelming and it gets overwhelming quick. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's probably, you know, being like a pastor, you got to hear the, you got to hear the suffering of your, of your flock on a daily basis or, or, you know, whenever you hear about it and you have to be able to absorb that story and and let it affect you to the point you're going to move but you can't let it affect you to the point where you're we're going to be stuck in the, in the mud and I, I gotta just confess that i think something like childhood cancer for me probably until a week ago um even though you know one of my best friends walked through it it seems it seemed like almost something too large where it was like it's just overwhelming and I don't know how to take a step and so it's hard to even like engage it because I hear it and I just go I can't I can't do anything you know what I mean like and so it just kind of brushes off yeah. as opposed to like sitting still long enough to understand and to try to take a you know a bite and in ingest it and swallow it and mourn it and then you know release it again not as I'm not going to do anything but as okay I understand this you know a little bit more clearly and now it can it, it, it like I heard someone describe it as when you do that when you go engage that process process it expands your soul right. and I think the majority of us what we do is because there's so much coming at us we just ignore everything. Right. Or at least that's what my tendency is, just to ignore everything. As opposed to stop for a moment with a person, a real person, you know, on the side of the road, you know, ingest their story, allow it to expand your soul, and then to release them ultimately to God, right? The place from whom they came, um, and, and we release them. It's scary, you know, it, it's, it's scary for a lot of people to, to think about doing that. I mean, it's to we keep ourselves kind of uh, in this nice little bubble, and I mean, we can we can close everything off. You turn the TV off, nothing happens. I mean, there's nothing going on in the world if you don't have the television or the news on. I mean, unless it's directly in your face or directly happens to you, you would never know that childhood cancer, that seven kids die every day, 46 yeah. are diagnosed every day. But that's the reason that we need to be telling people about it. And if it's even just that much. I've experienced talking to a young couple holding a baby, and I tell them what I'm doing, the second I hit them stats, they start holding on to that baby just a little bit tighter and they gotta go. And I, you know, I appreciate that, I understand that, that's a protection. Knowing about it is not gonna cause your child to get cancer. I can promise you this. You're not gonna, you're not gonna, you know, kids not gonna get cancer because you know that the child with cancer exists. But don't you think, so when I hear that story, I think, and this is something in advocacy that I think is hard, is, you have this thing that you're passionate about and that you care about and that you've swallowed and ingested. And I think people are often were overwhelmed by the needs 
and we feel, um, you know, and so sometimes it's not until it becomes personalized through a friend or a neighbor or a family member or, right, it's not until that thing hits us personally that we have stake in it, you know, and it's, it's maybe unfortunate, but it often takes that personal connection to a cause um, because otherwise it, it it can feel like people are just trying to get something from us, right? Oh, they, they're, so how do you balance that? Like the, the sense of when you're advocating for something, you know, you are, you're trying to draw attention to this thing, but then at the same time, you're recognizing this may not become an important thing to this person. Mm-hmm. I want it to be. I hope that it is. You know, I'm going to I'm going to leverage my entire message and life and physical appearance and everything so that they get it. But at the end of the day, they may not get it. And there's a good chance they won't get it. Mm-hmm. Well, my the, the change in myself was not directly related to Charlie's cancer, but I do use it as a tool. The thing is you don't got to carry the world on your shoulders. The world's going to carry itself. Mm-hmm. And to just be able to understand that you don't have to try to do everything. And also understand that I don't do a hard sell. I do what I call a heart sell. If it doesn't resonate with you, do something else. I also do stuff with water, hunger, uh, you, know, uh, you know, the ecology, uh, rainforest. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on that, that we all, there's 7 billion of us walking around on this rock. There's enough of us, we can do something and it all get done. If it doesn't resonate with you, find something that does. I mean, I don't understand why it doesn't, but I understand that it might not. So, I mean, it's, it, it doesn't have to be everybody, but you at least should know about it, and you at least should be able to, you know, get a hold of your congressman and let them know that there, things can be different. I mean, there's something you can do if you're politically motivated to get somebody in the House of Representatives to jump on board with a bill and get it passed and get some red tape cut for the kids to, to uh, you know, have a better chance at survival, and not only survival, but to be able to thrive as a, as a human being from the time that they finally they might not have cancer to the time that they pass away at an old age. I mean, that's a, that's a, a human right that we all should be able to have, you know? I mean, to be able to live past a certain age is, is uh, what we all shoot for, but I mean, these kids, a lot of them don't have a chance. There's not gonna be a chance, and if they do, it's just gonna be, it's gonna be tough. What I hear you talking, and you meet people and stuff like that, it's like the Lord's putting that person in your way, in your path, and it might help, it might not. That's what I've learned about following the Lord. Mm. I've met people that it's helped and other people that don't. Yeah. And, you know, but God's putting that person in your life yeah. for a reason. It's good. Yeah, it's, you know. It might be not them helping them, but it helped you out because you get, they got put in your, in yeah. your, in or, your no, way. Yeah, they there. spread it and they heard it, you know. So, I mean, it's, it, might be, it might just be your challenge to see if you can verbally voice the, what you're feeling inside. Yeah. Or just to listen to the person about their complaints or oh, they cancer, love, you know. Or people love to talk. Just go to Ronald McDonald's house by Loma Linda to take toys at Christmas time because kids love new toys or even in the middle of the year. Um, or just talk to the families when they're walking their kid out there at the hospital. You know, how's it going, man? You know, they just want to talk, you know. They're stuck at the hospital all the time. <laughs> what is your perspective on some of the nonprofits that are out there, like Childhood Cancer Foundation and Ronald McDonald House? Oh, I love Ronald McDonald House. Yep, they've got a brand new one going up down there. It's gorgeous. It's going to be very cool. There's a lot more beds, a lot more available. I mean, the, it's uh, crucial to have a place to go to stay next to where the kids are getting medical attention. So, I mean, that's uh, Ronald McDonald House is a no brainer to me. As far as foundations go, I mean, you can, uh, it's just like anything, there's, there's different types of cancers and they, a lot of times if they focus on one particular type, like I said, find one that resonates with you. I mean, if, there's so many of them and so many kids that, you know, there's not, I can't think one person have enough money to, to take care of all of them. So, I mean, like I said, there's something you can do little in any, any given day, whether it's send them a card, uh, even, you know, like on Facebook, it's a lot of times just in those people are out there. I mean, I use the, I use Love Is All as a, as a very long paragraph sometimes. You know, it's like I have a lot of things I would love to say, but I know my words kind of falter and fall short of, of what I really would like to tell this person. You know, 
kind of comes along, it's like, whether it's just like, you know, it's going to be okay or whatever, you know. It's going to be okay might even be something that they don't want to hear. Well, it ain't okay. The kid just died. How can that be okay? You know, but you just tell them I love you and, and let it go and I'm here for you. I mean, that, that's, that'll go a long way. You don't gotta, you don't gotta try to, you know, take them by the hand and lead them anywhere. They, they're, they're on a path. They're already, they're already being led. Yeah. With the work that you're doing, have you, have you connected with any of those groups and, and tried to find any sort of synergy or partnership in what you're doing with what they're doing? Oh yeah, I've, uh, I've ran with uh, Jack's Angels. I've, I've ran with Janet Demeter and Jack's Angels, uh, John McKay and Four Another, uh, a lot of the. Uh, there's just so many. I mean, like I said, I've connected with all of them in a, in a way. You know, it's like I've, I tell them all, if you need me, I'm there. Like I said, it's going to take me a minute to get there, and you got to feed me. Okay, but uh, but uh, it's just. Um, I mean, there's 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 certain groups and certain people and certain foundations that you will just fall in absolutely love with, and you want to do something with them, and it, it'll be it'll be something that you enjoy doing if you can enjoy. You know, I mean. Joy is kind of a kind of a oxymoron when it comes to that, if that's the proper statement. But I mean, it's just uh, it'll fulfill you as as doing something that makes you feel like you are doing something. I mean, if that made any sense either. I have a question about your trip to Ecuador. How did that all come about? Um, it came about. I got a phone call from a friend of mine, and she's like, "I got a village down here. It's these are your people." So you can imagine what it looks so like. So who are your people? Because <laughs> so, like, what do so, people, what people call you a hippie? So, so, I've been, yeah, so I've been dying to ask. There's a lot of hippies. Like, are you a hippie? There's a lot of hippies. There's probably some new agers down there. There's some, you know, there's the whole, uh, there's the, uh, you know, I like, I like earthy, down to earth, earthy kind of things like that. So I mean, yeah, there's probably a hippie or two down there. So I mean, you know. <laughs> I'll be looking to play some guitar or something, or you know, whatever. Because you're a musician too, right? Yeah. You, you have like this whole bag of tricks that yeah. I mean, we're still learning. Like, whatever it takes. You whatever know, it takes. Kickboxer, chef, musician. You know, what else? What you know? What, what it all comes do? down to this. I just like all the all that stuff. Just sometimes can be a tool. Just to uh, once once I found my passion and once I figured out what I wanted to do with my life, and I'm still oh man, there's still so much to learn, and there's still so much to do, and there's still so many things. That are going to come at me so i mean but uh, it's just really cool to be able to have experienced everything that i've experienced and that just kind of gives me a, a level footing with anybody that might i might run across so i can talk to them about it or maybe not level footing but just needs to have an opening conversation with them to you know connect with them and i'm all about connecting with everybody and spreading love and that's just all i want to do anymore i mean I had a long life of violence and ugliness and, and just, man, I just got so tired of it. This is such a beautiful time in my life, so just to be able to come in here and sit with you guys and talk and, you know, I didn't explode into flames when I walked in the front door, so I'm pretty happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> pretty amazing, yeah. yeah. I felt like that when I came in. I stuck, <laughs> my, I stuck my foot in, checked it out a little bit. It didn't get warm, so I figured I could go ahead and walk in. I feel like that. I didn't yeah, eat, I, I didn't eat and it wasn't because I was afraid. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but going back to my question, how did Ecuador, your trip to Oh, yeah, well, anyways, uh, sorry. She um, she called me up and said it was the... And then I said, okay, well, I'm... I'm about to, to say never say no on a Friday. Well, I'm never saying no on anything because I know wherever I go now because I've opened my heart up and opened my my life up to whatever happens that I'm going to meet somebody that I know inside. I know I'm, you know, I, I'll be able to resonate with them and, and connect with them anywhere I go. So I'll never get to meet anybody. I might meet somebody down in South America that's just going to blow my mind. I can't so not. it's like the Jim Carrey movie, The Yes Man. You yeah. just always say, if somebody invites you, yes. you say, it might take me a while. Yeah, why not? That's cool. I mean, if it's, if it's, if it's doing something that I'm doing, I mean, if it's along the lines of that. And so the first thing I did was find out if there was a, a children's cancer hospital down there. And, and of course there is. I mean, they're everywhere. So there's several hospitals down there I can visit. And then I just started reaching out. I had some had a friend in Ireland who sent me some stuff over to take down to him. I had some other people make some hats and stuff. And the sock lady, Patty Jackal, she's, she sent me 50 pairs of socks to take down there. So, I mean, that's just like connections. And then you take that down there and you make more connections. And I want to try to make a, a, a ongoing connection down there to, to continue to take some stuff down to them. Because I'm, 
I'm only guessing, but I'm sure that their facilities and stuff like that, and the stuff that the kids need is a lot different from what the facilities and the kids need here. So I'm sure there's some stuff that they could use on a general basic level that I could come up with without having to, you know, hit up Microsoft or anybody like that to, you know, stuff, get them things that they, you know, could have fun with, but uh, basic needs would be cooler. How can people follow you on your journey to Ecuador? When do you leave? You on leave next Tuesday. week, right? yeah. Tuesday. Okay. A few days from now, I'm going to be going. You follow me on Facebook, uh, Raggedy Crow Advocate. Uh, that's my um, uh, childhood cancer advocate page or Everett D. Smith. Uh, and Everett Smith. So I have several pages trying to beat the algorithms on Facebook to get my message across, but uh, you know, it's tough. So Can't beat the algorithms Instagram, you're on Instagram too. Instagram is Raggedy Crow, and Twitter is NTO Training. What is that? Non-thriving organism, or never tap out, just depends on who I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Great, well thank you for joining us and sharing your heart, and uh, we appreciate you educating us and uh, sharing and I'm sure we'll see you around town once you get back right you coming back to Red oh yeah I'll be back I'm gonna try to spend about 30 or uh, no, about 90 days down there so and if you want any more facts I, I can I can direct you to people who can give you some really top-notch facts or just hit me up on Facebook and I'll, I'll send you to their Facebook you can go to uh, Jack's Angels Foundation and she is, uh, <coughs> she is uh, on, on it 24/7. She lost her son to DIPG, and she will, she will hook you up as far as information, as far as DIPG. You can go to, uh, there's several different ones. Just, I, 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 like I said, I'll lead you there if you want to go. And if you, you know, if you just want to peek in, go ahead and peek in. But I tell you what, if you if you look them kids in the eye, you're done. You're gonna be, you're gonna be in it, and you're gonna be in it uh, because your heart hurts and feels good at the same time. So. Thank you for letting me be here. I, you, know, you, you picked the raggedy crow to get the story out there, but I'm glad you did. Okay. Well, thank you. Love thank us you all. Very much. Yeah. Cool, man. Hey, we have a tradition. We pray with people. Can we yeah, pray man, with you before you go? I was going to ask him, man. I wish we could. Uh...